as we, con- as we continue our series, today we are going to take a look at women in the heart of a woman and trying to understand better how we as men and women, how you can look at yourselves and ask yourself some questions about how you're responding in your journey with Jesus. It's an opportunity for us also as men to get some understanding, better understand what the Word of God says, and understand how we can love if we're married our wives. And, and for those of us who are single and looking for that future wife potential that we can marry one day, trying to look down and prepare ourselves for that journey too. I love the concept that God has brought together, this beautiful covenant of a man and woman coming together called marriage. Marriage can be one of the most complex situations that you'll ever encounter, yet it can be one of the most rewarding journeys that you can ever be part of. In fact, I love the the journey of marriage. I love the enjoyable moments that I have with my wife. There are life-giving moments. There are faith-building moments along the way, and it's an awesome opportunity for, for me and my wife and for those of you who are married to fully trust in God. Yet if we don't have our foundation secure in our identity, if we don't know who we are in Christ, whether you're male or female, it can disrupt and shatter and break down forward progress. So today, a lot of the message is geared towards women. What I've learned in watching my beautiful wife and understanding her and watching my daughter and watching other ladies and interacting and reading and understanding. And while the bent is that way, There's this large portion for those of us who are men here today. It's an opportunity for us to ask these questions. Holy Spirit, how can you help me to love this future wife, the woman that I'm looking for is looking for? How can you help me now to build a foundation upon the foundation of Christ in this marriage? What can we do to make this marriage one in which, God, you look down on and say, that's what I intended when you said, I do, I promise, and I will. Yet it takes work to do that. And there are these needs that women have, and we're going to look at them today. And and, and men, I encourage you, listen, this is your chance to take notes. This is your opportunity. Ladies, I encourage you, this is your chance to take notes and to identify maybe some areas in your lives where you need to ask the Holy Spirit to search you and ask God to search me, oh God, and know me so that I, I wouldn't do anything offensive to you. So grab your Bibles, let's go on this incredible journey, and I'll try to do it in one message. Very challenging, but I'll try to do it. Turn to Genesis chapter 2. Genesis chapter 2. And if you need a Bible, hold your hand up. Our ushers will be glad to put one in your hand. Let's go back to the beginning. Genesis chapter 2. And stand with me, and we'll read verses 20 to 23. Genesis chapter 2, verses 20 to 23. First book of the Bible. In the beginning, you will see how it all began and what God's intent was from the beginning. Let's read Genesis chapter 2, verses 20 to 23. Ready, read. So the man gave names to all the livestock, the birds in the sky, and all the wild animals. But for Adam, no suitable helper was found. So the Lord God caused the man to fall into a deep sleep. And while he was sleeping, he took one of the man's ribs and then closed up the place with flesh. 
Then the Lord God made a woman from the rib he had taken out of the man, and he brought her to the man. The man said, now this is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman, for she was taken out of man. You may have a seat. Now, sometimes we read this and maybe you're familiar with it. Maybe not. Maybe you just started this journey with Jesus and you haven't read the Bible and you've heard about in the beginning. But let's just hit the pause button. Sometimes we just gloss over these incredible, incredible truths. I want you to look again at verse 22. It struck me again this week. And I just, I actually just said, just pause, Jim. Have a Selah moment. Ponder and reflect on this. Adam was created... And after Adam was created, God put him into a deep sleep. And then he took a rib from him, closed that place up with flesh. And then it says this in verse 22. Then the Lord God, what did he do? Made a what? Come on, help me out. Made a woman from the what? He had taken out of the man and he brought her to the man. Now, that began the process. We read that. Yeah, God made a woman. Holy cow. You made your bed, so God made a woman. It's like... Pause and think about that for a second. God made a woman out of a rib. Like, you try that lately? I mean, seriously, this man was asleep. Put God allowed him to fall into deep sleep. He reaches in somehow, grabs a rib, pulls it out, and says, no suitable helper can be found for this man. Well, he needs a helper, a suitable one. He needs a woman. So then he takes a rib and, and, and he does what only God can do. He breathed life into a rib and he made a woman. I mean, we make cars, we make houses, but our God can make a human being. Like, we should stop there and say, whoa. Like, that is incredible. Like, just don't gloss over that. And I didn't this week. And I was thinking, that's what our God can do. He can make life. He can just Speak it into existence. If God can, literally, if God can make a woman out of a rib, then he can resurrect your marriage. <laughs> That's what I'm thinking about. It's like, if he can do that, then there's nothing God can't do. I just had to get that out there. Because sometimes we just glory. Yeah, God made a woman. Holy cow, made out of rib. And I praise God. Hallelujah. No. Our God has created the universe. So picture if you can. It's the first arranged marriage that was ever there. Seriously, think about it. Like, like, like God, God chose and made the woman. He's looking at Adam, think you need this and you need that. And yeah, you really need this. And so he's forming this woman. He's making it her. And, and he's saying, I'm going to give her this personality, this, these gifts, these skills. Perfect match. Like, wouldn't it be great like, for parents right now? Wouldn't it be awesome if you could pray to God? Oh, Lord, I pray you give the perfect match for my son and daughter. Lord, God, would you make someone for them? Bam, there it is. So picture, he, Adam wakes up. Before that, he had never seen anyone else. He was just, he was hanging out with the livestock, zebras and cows and elephants and dogs and bears. Oh my, oh yeah. I mean, then, then, he, then he wakes up and then he sees this other human being. By the way, think about this. Adam had no idea what he looked like. There weren't mirrors in the garden. So like he could look and take, but I mean, he couldn't see his face. Have you ever think about that? I thought about this week. Like, he had no idea what his face looked like, and he didn't know what a human face, I mean, you can't look at your face. He knew what an animal looked like, and he wakes up from this sleep, and he sees this woman. 
And scripture records, I mean, let's just pause here and hang here a second. Scripture records, this is what he says. When he sees this woman for the first time, he says, now, this is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman. One guy has said this. I heard him say this. He said, Adam said, when the reason he, he called her woman, because he said, whoa, man. <laughs> For she was taken out of man. Scripture also includes this. Now, the first act when he saw a woman, this is a song. The dude breaks out into a song. You talk about a, a romantic. He serenades her and starts, bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh. I'm going to call you woman. <laughs> like, that's awesome. That was Eve's first impression of a man. Like, this dude got points, didn't he? He serenaded her. So this beautiful picture of love at first sight. God says, I found you a helper. If we could just hit the pause button in creation right there. If we could just pause everything that happened after. And say, God, let's stop there. Like, let's hang here for like a, a, a 4,000 years. But we can't. Because we know that scripture says that there was this crafty serpent that was in the garden. And when this serpent came, everything changed. And because of that decision made by Adam and Eve in the garden, when everything was perfect in every way, it now affects you, it affects me, it it impacts our choices, all the temptations we face, every sin that, that we now deal with in some form or another is imputed from the beginning. And now Satan has twisted truths about what a relationship and what a marriage should look like. Yet in the beginning, here's what I know. If we could pause right here and hit the pause button. Here's what a woman longs for, men. This is what it is. She longs to be your exclusive woman. Your wife, your future wife. The woman that you're looking for is looking for. That, that woman, men, listen to me. She longs like that she is your exclusive one. As Adam said, you're the one. Like there weren't any other choice. She wants to know that every day when she wakes up, that no matter how many women you'll see that day, she wants to know that you have her eyes only and she has your eyes only. And in the beginning, he serenades her. And yet... Is that the case? If a woman longs to be your exclusive woman, is that the case? Like that's her longing inside of her. And and, and the reality is she longs for romance. You know why women long for romance? Because she has this DNA that's been passed down to her from the very beginning. And, And Adam has this DNA that the first time he saw a woman, it was like he was madly in love and he serenaded her. And listen, this is what I know to be true. Romance is fueled by exclusivity. You want romance in a relationship, in a marriage relationship? Then both. In fact, a woman particularly needs to know that you have eyes for her and her only. She longs that you 
have given her your heart. She longs that your sole object of affection is for her only. She wants to hear, I love you, that you're the one for me. Not just here, I will and I do at the marriage altar, but all through the week, all through the month, all through the year, until death parts you. She wants to know that she is your exclusive woman. She wants to hear that you love her. She doesn't want to hear from you that you love her most of the time. She wants to hear that you can't stop thinking about her and not her and your old girlfriend. She wants to spend the rest of her life working on this foundation that's already been established when you said I do. She doesn't want you to say, I look forward to spending the rest of my 30s with you. But after that, I don't know. She longs for exclusivity from you. That is why it's so important. Listen to me, men, those of you who aren't married and are preparing yourselves. That's why it's so important for you at some point in this journey. You heard me say it a few weeks back, but at some point in this journey of singleness to say, from this point on, I am going to remain pure for this woman I'm going to remain sexually pure. There has to be a point where you said this, if your past is tattered and God has redeemed you of that and grace has overcome your sin and you're starting over, there must be a point when, when one day, when you can say, at this point, everything changed and I had your heart and your interests in mind and I was thinking about you and I remained pure until that day for you. That will grab a woman's heart because she feels exclusive rights to your heart too. It lets her know that you are thinking about her. Exclusivity happens when you give yourself fully to your spouse. That is why God states so many prohibitions. And people ask, why can't we have sex? Why can't, why can't if I've been married before and got divorced and I've already had sex, why isn't it permissible For me to continue to have sex if I've already done that. Listen to me. Because God prohibits it. And listen to me. It breaks the relationship that not only you have with your wife, but it hinders and separates this relationship you have with God. That's why I tell you this. Your sexual experiences prior to marriage may enhance your sexual experience once you get married but they won't enhance your relationship with your wife. Just the opposite is true. Romance is fueled by exclusiveness, not experience. Romance is fueled by exclusiveness. She needs to know that it's for her and her alone. She doesn't want to know that you had other people in mind and and you gave yourself away. She wants to know that there was a point where everything changed or you remained pure. She wants to know that, that, that you saved yourself for her, that there was a point in time. She wants to know, even in marriage now, that's what breaks up romance. When, when a man begins to wander, when a man begins to look, when a man becomes interested who's married in someone else, that will kill romance. You will never have it because she is no longer your exclusive only. See, I said this a few weeks ago and in case you weren't here, This is the truth. You are sexually more compatible with far more people than you realize, but you are relationally compatible with few people. 
And this is relationship. Romance is about relationship. So how do you do that? How, how do you connect to your wife? How do you, what are some simple ways? Like, how can I let my wife know that she's the exclusive one? Well, you begin by asking God each day and you pray and you even ask the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, teach me. Holy Spirit, you are the great teacher. You're the best teacher. Show me how that I can let my wife know that she's the exclusive one. What can I do? And so ask him and he'll give you reminders. And one of the best ways is not just think about doing something, but actually doing it. And one of the best ways is to speak it. Some of us don't do such a good job. We, think, we say things like this. Well, I'm not good at that. Well, listen to me. Listen, I'm tired of those lame excuses. Then get good at it. Work at it. Learn how to do it. So how do you do that? Maybe you wake up each day and, and you send texts and maybe the text goes something like this and, 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 and it's fueled by the Holy Spirit and it's something like this and you might text or send an email or leave a voice message that says, out of all the guys in the world, I'm honored to do life with you. Listen, guys, you, you better be writing this down. This is important. Don't just sit there and ask your wife to take notes. Another thing you might do is say, you're the best reason to go to bed at night and my best reason to get up in the morning. Maybe you text to them and say something like this, I can't wait to see you later. Or maybe it's something like this, you're in the midst of a meeting, the Holy Spirit reminds you of your beautiful wife and so you just don't wait till the meeting's over. You text her and say, I'm sitting in this meeting, but I'm thinking about you. Or, if I could drop what I'm doing right now to be with you, I'd do it in a heartbeat. You know, through the years, I've done those things. And, and I can't tell you how many times when I've sent my wife a text out, it just kind of out of the blue, we say. It wasn't out of my blue because I was thinking about her. And I just took the time, and we send texts to other people. We have business people that we send it to and we, we write emails to colleagues and you know, we, we find time for that. And, and, and so I, I, there, there's times I'll send a text and, and simple this and, and sometimes I'll say, hey, you know what, honey, I'm just thinking about you. And there have been multiple times through the years and even recently she'll say something like this, huh, what makes you think about me? And I think, oh boy, it's gonna be a long text. <laughs> but it's worth it. The mere fact that, that, that somehow in the midst of your busy day of welding, in your busy day of coaching, in your busy day of printing or, or making or building or, or exercising, that somewhere along that path you were running and God brought her to mind and it put a grin on your face and you were grateful for her and you just paused and said, I'm thinking about you. She feels exclusively yours. And every woman longs for that. She longs to hear it from you, too. Romance is fueled by those kinds of moments in your life. It was here. First thing, what the first thing Adam did? He fueled that romance by serenading her. Like, dudes, grab a guitar, grab a piano, and just sing this to your wife. Flesh of my flesh. Maybe make a little country flex or my flesh. I don't know. Do something. Come up with something. Well, I'm not good at that. Well, get good at something. Enter Genesis 3. Can we stop right here and think, that's just beautiful. Like, a woman is getting what she wants, and 
A man's getting what he wants, this covenant before God, no sin. And then Genesis chapter 3, sin enters the world. And what happens? Look at verses, the response after the sin, after the fall. Look at verse 11. It says, and he said, who told you that you were naked? Genesis 3, 11. Have you eaten from the tree that I commanded you not to eat from, God said? The man said, the woman you put here with me, she gave me some fruit from the tree and I ate it. That's called throw under bus wife. Verse 13. Then it says this. Then the Lord God said to the woman, what is this that you have done? The woman said, the serpent deceived me and I ate. She passes the buck too. And from that moment on, listen to me, from that moment on, insecurity surfaces. Why? Because the man did not take responsibility. The husband did not take the lead spiritually. And from that moment on, insecurity has surfaced in a woman's heart that needs battled against every single day with the power and authority of Jesus Christ and identity crisis that says, listen, I'm not insecure because in Christ I'm enough. And so the insecurity surfaced right there. The blame game starts. He doesn't own his sin and the responsibility as the gatekeeper of the family. He throws her under the bus. And from that day on, every woman has to deal with this reality. Will my husband lead us and take ownership of us? Listen to me, man. If you're not taking ownership, if you're not leading spiritually in your home, then what you've done, you've opened up this insecurity concern that your wife has to deal with. Every single day that you don't lead the way God wants you to lead, then you open up this insecure issue. Huh. If he doesn't stand up for us that's there and he doesn't take the blame there and he, he doesn't take responsibility there, then when will he take responsibility? Please, husbands, listen to me. When your wife has to cover for your lack of spiritual leadership or mediocre walk, it wears her out. It wears her out. And listen to me, it depresses her sense of intimacy in the relationship. So let me just pull away here. This is for adults, this is seventh grade and above. If there is lack of intimacy in your marriage relationship, then you've got to ask this question. Am I leading in a spiritual way? Do you hear me? I'm not giving permission for her because Corinthians tells us do not withhold sex from each other. But if she's insecure, that surfaces that insecurity. And if there's this lack of intimacy, you got to ask the question, is my life more interested in my needs, my concerns, what I want, my dreams, or am I leading my wife? And if you're not leading your wife and your wife is constantly having to say, well, he, one of these days he's going to, I mean, he's made a little bit of progress. One of the, if she is constantly looking for your leaderships in spiritual way and it is lacking, then intimacy and romance will be squashed. God longs for us to lead in a spiritual way. Let me ask you a question, guys. How many of you are letting your wives lead when you know you should be? How many of you are hit and miss when it comes to worship services and your wife brings the kids? How many of you see your wives serving in all kinds of venues, yet 
You're tied to your work and you're tied to this, yet you're not taking the lead. How many of you are vulnerable enough to say, I'm going to put myself out there and I'm going to trust that God can grow me and use me. And in doing so, I am going to gently and tenderly lead my home. Let me tell you something, dudes. When you begin to do that, your wife will feel secure. See, it all makes sense. Like it, it comes back to the basis of scripture. Adam dropped the ball spiritually in his leadership and insecurity surfaced for Eve. She needs to know, guys, that you will fight for her and her alone. So here's what happens. And let, me, let me speak to single gals and gals that are married today, even for, to daughters. What happens is this. If you don't have a father figure in your home, if your dad who is married to your mom isn't leading spiritually, if somehow in your home as a father that, that you, you don't, you, or as a daughter, you don't have a father that's leading you, if you don't have a positive role model from a dad that he was too concerned about his work, his sports, his finances, and quite frankly, his own interests, that, and that he never loved his daughter or loved you the way Jesus intended him to, to do. Modern psychologists and Christian counselors call this the missing dad syndrome. And listen to me, it will scar you. Listen, but God can restore that scar, but I want to address the reason why. The trajectory of a woman's beauty, security, and confidence is impacted and established by the touch or lack of touch from a dad. You know, I, I talked to my daughter who was an RA in college, and she met with girls all the time. And they would come to her and they would share. And Hannah has told me over and over and over and over and over and over and over again, even in a Christian college. Dad, you wouldn't believe how many of these girls are broken because dad wasn't there. She said, you won't believe. She said, dad... Dad, you won't believe how many girls are, 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 are addicted to pornography. Yeah, girls are in the woes and bowels of pornography. She says, you won't believe, Dad, how many girls I've talked to that are struggling because Dad didn't lead his family. Listen, I see that. And part of me says, what an incredible opportunity we have as men and husbands and dads to impact the future generations. We have an awesome opportunity. And so the trajectory of a woman's beauty, security, and confidence is impacted and established by the touch or lack of touch from a dad. All right, let me get a little sidebar here. It's the same true for your sons. Like, we often don't talk about that, but I'm going to talk about that. Listen to me, dads. Your son, as he's growing up and he's in the home, he needs your touch. Not only does your son need your touch, he needs to hear from you that you're proud of him. And there's a tendency among some fathers to downplay the importance of emotion, tenderness, and understanding in their interaction with their sons. And, and the truth of this, this approach can be dangerous and potentially even damaging to your sons. Lack of touch from a father to a son, and affection leads to him seeking it elsewhere. And often the addictions that come from that, from pornography to alcoholism and isolation comes because they lacked touch from their dads in the family. 
let me, let me just speak to dads or dudes. It is perfectly normal, listen to me, for a man who loves Jesus Christ to grab a hold of his son and embrace him. It is perfectly normal for a, for a dad to give a kiss on the cheek to their son. It is perfectly normal for you to put your arm on his shoulder and talk to him and touch him. If you're not touching your sons and embracing your son. Now listen to me. You might have had a pattern for years that hasn't done that. And you know what's happened? The son now wants to reject your touch. But listen to me. Go to him and say, listen to me. I want you to know that I love you. Let me just speak very candidly. I have two sons. We have two sons, my wife and I. My older son is 24. He'll be 25 here in November. From the time he's been a little boy, and even at 24 years old, I grab a hold of my son and I tell him I'm proud of you. And I give him a kiss on the cheek. And you know what? He kisses my cheek too. Listen to me. That is normal behavior for a father that loves Jesus. It's not weird. Let me just give you a real reality. Here's what happens. When dad is missing in the home for his sons, when he's not giving them a touch, your son needs your touch. Listen to me. He needs your touch. He needs your affection. When that is missing, you know what often happens? This son grows up and he looks for that touch from another man somewhere else. There's this innate sense of belonging and touching that must take place. And often what will happen if you trace down those who have, and it breaks my heart, same-sex attraction. The reason they do, you take it back. There was an absent dad. There was a vacant dad. There was a man, a father who didn't touch and tell his son, I love you. Psychologists, he will tell you that. Christian counselors will show you that. Even when a man ages and he, and he gets put into homes, rehabilitation homes or retirement centers, if he's by himself, they'll give him an animal and often a dog. You know why? So he can pet the dog. So he can have a dog to come alongside of him. Listen to me. Don't let your son be replaced by you with a dog. Be a man that loves them and touches them and, and, and speaks into their life. We have an incredible opportunity, men. You're not going to hear this on CNN. They're going to twist it, but that's the truth. And if you're, no matter where your kids are at, you say, well, my dad didn't teach me how to love. My dad never touched, so I'm not touching. My dad never hugged. My dad never said, I love you. It doesn't give you permission not to either. Break the chain. The same is true for the daughter. She longs to have your touch. She needs it. I think about that all the time. I I just do. And here's how... from the time Hannah was born and Anne and I were able to see her come into the world, this, this, this idea of like, it's my precious daughter that God has given me. I get so many years to, to show her what it looks like for a man to love her, what it means for me to provide for her and, and show her attention and affection and, and to lift her up. And as she's grown through the years, this, this whole concept to me, listen to me, young fathers, listen to me, pour into your daughters. Tell them, I love you. Hold their hand and buy them the, the twirly dresses. And when they turn, say, woo! They just let them, let, let them blossom into these girls. Why? 
Because one day they're going to stand across from a dude who's going to change her name. And everything that has happened from that point back is directly influenced by your involvement in her life. You know, I think about it with Hannah. Like there's going to come a day when she's going to say, I do, and I got to cut the strings and it won't be easy, but I will. (laughs) And I want this future husband of hers, I want to be able to come to him and say this. I did the best job I could do to prepare my daughter for you. Please love her with all of your heart. Guide her spiritually. This is my gift to you. I did my best and my blessing is on your life. See, I want to set my daughter up. I don't want her to walk into a relationship and this man meets her and she's got all these insecurities and all these things she's dealing with. Men, set your daughters up so that their marriages can flourish. Amen? The same with your sons. Your wife, men, wants to know that you miss her when she is not there. She wants to think that she's irreplaceable. That she is is your standard of beauty. That when when you look at her, you look at her and you say, baby, I want to let you know, you are my standard of beauty. I don't need anything else. You are the most beautiful God-created woman. Let me serenade you right now and tell you. She needs to know that. However, women, keep in mind, when that happens, women in the presence of a good, godly man feel beautiful. That's my hope when I look at my wife, like I pray that somehow that the influence I have on her when she's struggling or down or she's winning and she's doing well, that somehow when she's in my presence, and hopefully it's a good, godly man, that when she's around me, she feels beautiful. Not just because I love her, but primarily and first because her identity is in Jesus Christ. But she knows that, that I have her eyes only and she has my eyes only and needs to know that she is irreplaceable and so does your wife. Let me ask a question. Does she? Listen, ask her this afternoon. Ask her if, she's, if she feels like she's the standard of beauty. Ask her this afternoon if, 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 if she feels like you're, you're properly parenting and showing affection and attention to your kids. Ask her those questions. I know you don't want to ask them, but ask them anyhow. And then say, honey, I'm going to work at those. But when she's in the presence, she, she, she feels beautiful. And by the way, ladies, don't ever take that kind of man for granted. He's becoming obsolete. So let him know that you're grateful. Listen, don't point out all his faults. We talked about that a couple weeks ago. Don't be the record keeper of the wrongs. If you keep bringing up stuff he's done in the past, he feels he can't win, and so he, he, he wants to give up. You see, men, she feels secure when you affirm her in public. When you take an active role in parenting the kids. When you notice her and are aroused, even if she isn't making a concerted effort to arouse you. When you show consistency, not just with your words, but with your actions, she feels secure. She feels secure when you take the lead and make decisions, even the little ones. She is longing for you this afternoon to say, we're eating at Arby's. 
I don't know. What do you think? I don't know. I don't care. I don't know. I don't care. I don't care. I don't care. I don't know. Just say something, man. Go. She feels secure. I guess we're going to Arby's. She feels secure. I'll get her input first, though. I'm a wise man. But she'll leave the decision up to me. She feels secure when you take care of yourself physically. I keep, I keep hitting this one, dudes, but listen to me. Because she wonders if she's going to be all by herself. Let me, ask you, let me ask you a personal question. I talked about this three weeks ago. What did you change about your lifestyle? How many of you left? You were mad at me. I'm okay with that. How many of you make any change? How many of you went to the buffet three times? Oh, I, 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 I'm, 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 I'm adjusting my diet. How many of you overate? How many of you have signed up for a discipline that says, I need help. I need someone to help me. What I'm doing is not helping me. I am in the same place I was three weeks ago, and I am on the path to die. And when you're on the path to die and she believes that, your wife lays awake at night and wonders, will you be around? It's time, men, for some of you. It is beyond time to get healthy. Spiritually and more for some of you, physically. She feels secure when the two of you feel close. Let me just say what stats tell us. You can get this anywhere. They also wish that you worked less so they could have more of your time. 70% of women said they would prefer you take a lower paying job if that meant you'd be around more and get emotionally closer to them. So how are you doing that? Is your schedule so full that when you come home, you're giving your wife less than the best? It was one of our debriefs yesterday when we were getting ready to leave from Western Maryland. It was a full weekend. It was an incredible weekend with men. And one of the things I noticed, which I love, when your, listen to me, husbands, when your woman sees you taking even a little step in your journey, in your, in your spiritual journey, when they see you beginning to try, when they see you beginning to, to, to make progress, I love what happens. You know what they do? They tell the whole world. They do. Listen, guys, listen, don't be that stupid to not see it. Like, I see it. Like, I watch. I I love it. I just love it because I stand back and I say, that's the way it should be. I watch women, when their husbands sign up, when their men men jump in instead of making excuses by all the things they don't like about something. And they just serve and they they, they get involved and and they love. And and, and even this case, I loved even this weekend. It wasn't for every man, but it was for a a large group of men. And and the women that knew that their men were there, they were, you should have seen the comments. That's my man. Look at him. Look at him. He's running through water. That's my man. Like in some saying, but that's just dumb. No, know what they saw? He was willing to leave six o'clock Thursday night and drive eight hours into the night and set up a tent in a mountain with 36 degrees with a whole bunch of other dudes and spend time in small groups and teaching, dealing with his wounds and finding out his identity in Christ. And having small groups where he's got a brother that he's leaning on and tears running down his face because he wants to be a better man and a better father. And dudes circling around him and crying with him on this mountain. And then trying to race and get back as fast as he can. 
And woman after woman, any picture that had her man in it, that's my man. It didn't even matter what he was doing. And in some cases, it was the daughters jumping on and saying, Daddy. Why? Because a woman longs for her man to grow spiritually. And she's proud of it. Dudes, listen, we're not this dumb. You want to bring passion back into your relationship? Are you wondering why there isn't intimacy in a relationship? Start tenderly leading your wife spiritually. Start taking responsibility instead of throwing her under a bus. Don't be the one that has to be pushed in your walk. Bring your wife alongside of you. Listen, you want intimacy and romance to return? You want to have it back? Start leading spiritually and your wife will come unglued. Am I right, ladies? So you're asking these questions. Like, Some of you are mad at me right now because I talked about being physical. I talked about leading spiritually and, and you have a choice to make. Will I take responsibility or will I not take responsibility? So what happens? If she begins to feel insecure, she tries to make up for it. This is what you do, women. This is just a few of them. You you try to make up because you're insecure. Dad didn't love you. Your husband doesn't love you. You forgot about your identity in Jesus. Satan whispers to you. You don't take your thoughts captive. Your husband's cheating on you. You have this take place. And all of a sudden, you begin to believe these lies. And you got to make up for it because you don't like the way you, you feel. And you wake up and you're insecure. You look in the mirror. And just the day before, you were okay. And so now you wake up, it's like, man, I got to do something to me to make myself feel secure. And it begins with your looks. You think if I, if I look good, I feel secure. I feel better about myself. At least I'll feel good about myself. And so what do we do? The insecurity surfaces, ladies, and you do everything you can. You have to be careful here. Like seriously, how much, how much time did you spend on the curling iron? before you came to church today? Like, how many blouses did you put on, to the, you put on the one that you're wearing? Like, like how many haircuts is it going to take? Like, how, how, many, how many colors of your hair changes is it going to take if you think that's going to... Some of you went through the rainbow and you still look, oh, I... Please, ladies, you are enough in Jesus... Psalm says, God is enthralled with your beauty. You don't need another color in the rainbow to find security. It's already there in Christ. And when you know that, it's a game changer. Now listen, there's nothing wrong with with looks. There's nothing wrong with beautifying yourself. There's nothing wrong when you have a secure relationship to to get prepared for your husband when he's coming home. Like if he's coming home from wherever he's coming home, where he's coming from, from a work extended stay. If he's coming home from, from, let, let me give you the heart of a man. If a man knows when he comes home that you took time, and it's security, he's secure in the relationship, that you took time to get out of your jammies and your sweatpants, and you took time to, to, to put on some makeup if you wear makeup. And you, you, you did your hair. If a man knows he's coming home to that, watch out, ladies. I'm serious. The king is enthralled with your beauty. Here's how else you make up for your insecurity, through your children. 
And way too many ladies let the behavior, choices, successes, and failures undermine their beauty. They think, I taught him everything, I taught her everything, and all of a sudden the enemy wants to come. You weren't a good mom. You should have done this. You should have done that. I can't believe you're, you're 17 and you're 20-year-old and you're 30-year-old. I can't believe they're still doing this. Like, what kind of mom were you? Like, and so he comes after you. The enemy comes after you. And so what happens is you become secure if your kids in your mind succeed. If somehow they don't ever fail or they don't ever sin. And as soon as your kid sins, like, oh, I'm a miserable mom. Oh. Listen, you can feed your kids. You can teach your kids. You can model your kids. But listen, they have a permissive will. They can choose not to listen as adults. It doesn't take away from what kind of parent you were. But here's what I know from Proverbs. Train up a child in the way he should go. When he's old, he will not turn from it. There will be a time with God's promises that the truth of the seed of the gospel, he'll remember it, she will remember it. And the hope is that they'll turn back to Jesus. So hold on, the story's not over. Another way you'll do, way too many moms who are insecure put too much pressure on their daughters to date and even their sons to date. And in the case of your daughters, you always want them to have a guy on their shoulder. Ladies, you are setting your children and your daughters up for failure. You are are building their beauty on whether or not they have a man through high school. And way too many ladies are living vicariously through their daughters. That's called insecurity. And another way you pursue and try to overcome this insecurity It's through men. You feel beautiful when some guy pays you a little attention. Your identity comes when some guy flirts with you. So you dress or you dress less to get his attention. Let me ask you a question, ladies. Do you dress to attract or dress attractively? See, let me pull away and say something. Here's here's the difference between men and women. A couple of weeks ago, I, I just kindly tried to walk through some of the choices that we have made with, our, with even our daughter when it comes to bathing suits. And listen, I'm not judging you. I'm just telling you this. Like girls, when they see themselves in bathing suits and bikinis, they're like, they don't see what we see. Like to them, it's like, oh, you look beautiful. Oh, I love your, ba- I love, I love, I love the fabric. And the, I love like, oh, the color, it matches your eyes. They don't see skin. Like, they love it. And, they, and that's the way ladies are different than men. So if ladies are out playing together and, and swimming, they're on a retreat, and they're in their bathing suits together in their bikinis, it, it, it doesn't do the same thing. It's like, they, they, they like it. Now, ladies, let me tell you. Let me tell you how men think. We don't think like you think. And this is the truth. So you must... Guys, dads, even your daughters, they don't often understand, like, what's wrong with, why is pastor, you know, what's the, like, I don't understand, like, I'm just out with my girlfriends and, and we're swimming. You got to speak a man's mind into your daughter. They don't understand. They see it as innocent and, and like, it's comfortable and I like the color and like, it goes good with my hair and it looks good when I have earrings on. Like, they don't look at women and, and, and see skin. So you have to stand up and speak as a man and say, listen, when a man sees you, this is what he could see. It's our, listen, listen, listen to me, dads. Listen, listen, listen to me. Please listen to me. This is our way to lead. And listen, there might be moments that your daughter doesn't like you, but it's worth it for her to at least understand the mind of a man. So she marries a man. She understands a man. So ladies, don't dress less to get the attention of a man. See, when you do that, it's because of insecurity. 
The last area that women fall into for insecurity that I'm going to address is you have this insatiable desire to pursue power and power over men. And so you use your beauty to get noticed. And so you try to gain control of the situations that can fill this void in your heart because you've forgotten about your identity in Christ and this temporary power makes you feel secure. It plays out in phrases that, look, here's somebody, just Google. Here they are. Here's what the world says. You, ladies, you need power. You can have control over your men and you feel like if you have control over your husband, have control over men in the workplace, then you feel secure. And so these were some phrases. Here, Google, just Google, how can a woman become powerful? Here's 50 pickup tips, how to pick him and the pickup tips that he'll pick you up. Here's another one, make your ex-boyfriend want you back. That's insecurity. Get him to do anything you want. That's insecurity. 30 days to girl power. 428 ways to be a knockout. Dress to thrill. See, where'd that come from? Where'd that come from? Oh, I remember. Didn't Satan say, if you eat from this fruit of this tree, you will be like God. Ah, he told Eve a lie in the garden that she could be powerful. And the same temptation has continued from then. If you dress like this, if you gain the attention through attraction, you'll gain power over this situation. But at the root of this is sin, a simple desire to be affirmed. It stems from the beginning of time when Eve believed a lie from the enemy that you'll be like God if you do this. And so what happens? Look, look, look what the result was. He, he fed him a lie, but here was, the, here was the reality. Here's what happened. He said, you'll be like God. Go eat, go eat, hurry up, eat it, eat it, eat it. You'll have power. Go, 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 girl, go. And here's what happened. He twisted the truth. Look at verse 16 of chapter three of Genesis. God said to the woman, he said, I will make your pains in childbearing very what? All right, how many girls want to say, way to go, Eve, thanks a lot. Can you imagine not having any epidural when you have a child? It's all because of Eve. Can you imagine no labor pains? (laughs) Can you imagine no Braxton and Hicks? (laughs) He says, because of what? Because that you thought you could be more powerful. Because you ate and believed the lie. Then he says this, with painful labor, you will give birth to children. Your desire will be for your husband and he will what over you? Rule over you. See, we don't even like that word. Like, that sounds like totalitarianism, doesn't it? Dictatorship. I'm gonna let him rule over me. Yet the picture in scripture is this, that we should be mutually submissive to each other and to God. See, even that word, like submit, and I heard people say, that's an old word. We don't have that in NIV anymore. Don't I talk about submit, Pastor Jim. Like, I'm not submitting to that. You kidding me? Yet it's a beautiful picture. Submission isn't 
him ruling over you. It's, it, it's Ann and I walking together through this journey. We face a trial or difficulty and we look at each other and we say, hey, let's pray. What do you think we should do? And she says, this is what I think we should do. And I say, this is what I think we should do. And I make decisions based upon what both of us said. But she turns to me and she says this to me, Jim. She says, Jim, you have the final call because I trust your leadership and I want you to be the spiritual head of the family. That's mutual submission. And I can tell you many times, like, listen, I don't always get it right, by the way. Like, I can tell you there have been times we've, been, we've come to an encounter and, and I've said something. I said, what do you think? And I've got defensive. Yeah, I get defensive. I got defensive. Like, no, no. And I leave the house or I'm out running and I'm about, I can remember a time I was about halfway through my five-mile run and the Spirit of God came upon me and I was like, no, I'm not listening to you. No, no, no. Because I knew I had to go back and call my wife up. You were right. Now listen, that's not any easier for me than it is for you. But I can't tell you how many times along the way that my wife, what she said, that's me being mutually submissive to her and listening to her. Let me just give you a truth, ladies. You will never submit to a man if you aren't already submitting to God. And by the way, ladies, if you're dating a man who is not submitting to God now, then you are not submitting to God either. Oh, I'll fix him up. There'll be a day that he'll come to Christ. Listen, if you are dating a man who doesn't know Christ, if you are dating a man who's not submitting to God, listen to me, ladies, then you're not submitting to God either. You are sinning. That's why it's important to prepare and have a list so that when you meet that person who meets this list and has the characteristics of love, there is mutual submission to God. When you are dating a man that isn't submitting to God, ladies, hear me, you are sinning. Get out of that relationship. So from that day, Genesis chapter three to now, there's a love-hate relationship with men, wanting a man's love, but resisting the idea that any man should have rule and authority over you. And often because of this insecurity and need to be noticed, women do things which they think will give them security. And in the end, it's the total opposite. So here's what happens. Final thought. Dads, listen to me. This daughter that you didn't show attention to, that you didn't love, that you didn't care for, goes the rest of her life trying to find it in some other man so that one day she can say this. See, dad, someone really does love me and I am worthy of attention and affection. Oh God, help us today, please. This stuff is so hard and it hurts so much. Yet it needs spoken to God. And I look out across this group of these precious ladies. God, you you tell them that you're enthralled with their beauty and they're trying to navigate through college and high school and junior high and, and through broken marriages and a marriage and engagements and guys asking them out and so they're daily balancing all these, 
these, these emotions and these temptations and, and these insecurities. Oh God, I pray God, like I pray that today would be a new day. And God, if I was able to, I'd reach into the heart of all the ladies and, and, and I would pull out this insecurity and I would remind him that the hope of Christ and Jesus Christ is living in them. The Holy Spirit resides in them. God, I pray there be a fresh wave of hope and security so that women can flourish and grow. And I pray for men that, that we would take the lead and so that romance could, could come back and intimacy would develop and, and then we'd be willing to have the hard conversation. But before all that, God, I pray that you would remind us of how much you love us. And I pray when the enemy comes and wants to rob us of those thoughts, especially ladies, I pray, God, that you would remind him with scripture. I pray that a a loving, tender husband would send him a text and say, hey, I love you and Jesus does too. And here's some steps that I'm taking to show you that I love you and want to be there at the end. God, resurrect broken marriages. Bring the dead back to life. I pray that our marriages, Lord, would become like these testimonies of grace and reconciliation and hope so that when people look, can I make it? They can look down the road and say, yes, look what God did there. God, breathe life. Breathe your life. Bring it back to Genesis chapter 2 and verse 23. Flesh of my flesh and bone of my bone. Unite it as one, flourishing, thriving, serenading each other. Please, Jesus. Like, I don't know where you're at today, ladies. Maybe, just, maybe, maybe you just need a moment where you just, you let the Spirit just, just inspect your heart. And maybe there's these areas that, that you've built walls around and you say, you know what, Pastor Jim, I'm recognizing it, and I no longer want to walk in that. Maybe you're a man here today, and a husband, and you're realizing, man, God, I have work to do. Maybe you just need to go back to the foundation that says, Jesus is enough, and I have everything I need, my security and my identity in him. So as we sing this song, I'm going to invite you, like, maybe you just sit down. Maybe you come and you just kneel and you just get washed over with the truths of the song. And maybe you just come up and you're surrendering and you're saying, God, help me. Maybe you come to the front and just kneel and just lay prostrate before God and say, God, I'm here, God. I want more. And I'm willing to give more. So as we sing this song, let the Spirit just speak. Maybe you stand, maybe you sing, maybe you sit, maybe you kneel. I don't know. But let the words of this song just wash over you in the truth that Jesus is enough and his love is enough. Amen.